is the NT Country Hour on ABC Radio Darwin and the Northern Territory. G'day there, my name's Matt Brenn. Welcome to a shorter version of the Country Hour. We're broadcasting during the lunch break of the cricket. I'll be taking you back to the MCG in about 25 minutes' time. Australia in a bit of trouble there at the G. Now, I will be speaking to the Weather Bureau before 12 o'clock. So if you've got a question that you want to put to the Bureau, send it through on that text line 0487 991057. And I'll also be telling you about a special new project that is creating a real buzz in what air? It's been a wonderful learning journey that we've all been on, me and the students, and we're looking to harvest our first lot of honey early next year. Lots to get through in a short period of time here on the Country Hour. Let's get into it. I can tell you the Territory's brand new Ag Minister, Mark Monaghan, he's been at the Berrima Research Farm this morning having a browse around, and also talking about browsing ants. Now, this invasive ant species, you might remember it popped up in the Territory back in 2015 at the Darwin Port. And since then, it's been found in 20 known locations. But thankfully, thankfully, these ants have not spread. They haven't established themselves in the Northern Territory. But authorities are always on the lookout. And today, the minister was introduced to four sniffer dogs who have been trained up to detect these browsing ants. Minister Mark Monaghan, he says these new recruits will boost the Territory's biosecurity, which is good for farmers and is good for the environment. Our biosecurity here in the Territory is really important to, to, to our economy um, and we have to be very, very careful about um, uh, what what that looks like and how we protect our, our farms and our farmers um, and our produce across the territory here in that space. Uh, and excitingly enough, at moment, uh, unfortunately, we've had to respond to a browsing ant, which is uh, uh, found into the it's found its way into the territory through our ports, and um, and we've had over 20, 20 odd sites that have been infested with these these ants. But we've got the amazing uh, canine dogs that. Uh, uh, canine dogs are an exceptional resource across the territory. I've had experience uh, in many, many places with them, but never with ants. So I'm uh, really excited they're here and they're, they're able to help us in this, this um, eradicating this, this infestation uh, because this infestation is, is something that um, eats our own um, uh, environment, eats the other ants and all those upsets that whole balance in the ecosystem um, and we can't have that because that has flow on effects to, to um, right throughout the whole ecosystem so it's really excited that we've got clever dogs in the territory that uh, have come on board and uh, are, are supporting the eradication of, the, of those animals. That is the Territory's new Ag Minister Mark Monaghan. Chris Cohens, he's the Browsing Ant Eradication Program Manager and he says these dogs will be put to work straight away, and he's confident that the browsing ant can be eradicated. Uh, it's uh, very important for us to have these dogs available to us uh, in the Northern Territory. Uh, we have a, a number of surveillance methods that we use for these ants, and um, none of our methods are 100%, and these dogs help us get very close to that 100% uh, detection rate that we need to prove freedom once we've eradicated them or think we've eradicated them. And at the, at the moment, how are they, when you're saying eradicated, so they're obviously at a point where you feel like you can still get rid of these ants from the whole of the Northern Territory? Yep, that's our uh, aim of the program right now. We believe we can eradicate these ants from the North, general Northern Territory and we've got one site remaining and we've eradicated it 
thus far from about 23 other sites. So there's been some pretty good success in this program over the eight years it's been running. Yeah, if you see any um, suspect ants, ants not behaving uh, how you would not normally see them, so erratic behaviour, different types of ants, get in contact with the department and report that because um, we need everyone's help to get rid of these ants and other exotic ants from the Northern Territory and prevent them from establishing. What does it look like? looks like a little black ant. Um, <laughs> it's very hard to pick it in the, in the field. Uh, so uh, with our surveillance team, we take multiple samples uh, and bring them back into the lab and the entomologist gets it under a microscope and runs a, a keen eye over it and identifies it. That is Chris Cohens, who is the Browsing Ant Eradication Program Manager. So a few years ago, you might remember the Territory Government actually had to bring in a sniffer dog from Queensland to try and find these browsing ants. These four dogs, which have been unveiled today, they have been locally trained, which is really cool, and they're heading out on the job, on the hunt for browsing ants. Speaking of dogs, I know a lot of people are getting excited for the return of this program in 2024. Don't let the cuteness fool you. Come on, puppies. A new litter of muster dogs are setting to work. Five Australian Border Collie Pups. Can't help the life, eh? Five ambitious stock handlers. Our trainers have got their work cut out for them. Who will rise to the challenge and become the new champion? You look after me and I'll look after you. A brand new season of Muster Dogs. <laughs> Starts Sunday, January 14 on ABC TV and streaming on ABC iView. Across the Territory on the ABC, this is the Country Hour. We're broadcasting during the lunch break of the cricket where Australia in their second innings are 2-4-6. Let's talk about bees. G'day, I'm Jermaine. G'day, I'm Caleb. And we're from Territory Bees. We're out here in Darwin's rural area attending to some hives and you're listening to the Country Hour. Yes, let's make our way out to Wadair, where a new project at the local Thummera College is creating a buzz. The school has teamed up with some beekeepers and now has its own beehives on site where the students are in charge and they're learning lots. To learn more about this project and the upcoming honey harvest, Jan Gahoot had a chat to the teacher out there, Tom Ray. Yeah, my name's Tom Ray. I, I'm a teacher at Our Lady of the Sacred Heart Tamara College out in Water. I teach the year 9, 10 and 11 boys. We have recently we're working to develop a bee program. So we've got six beehives. Um, and yeah, we've been working with Territory Bees to develop that program recently, among, among other things. So tell me about this program that you've been running uh, well, it started a, a bit over a year ago when the school sent me in to do a um, B course in Darwin, and I met up with uh, Caleb from Territory Bees. Uh, they, we got we got talking, and they were they were interested. I think they were applying for grants to um, develop bee beekeeping programs in uh, remote schools, and so yeah, we we got talking, and one thing led to another, and. Uh, was probably about six months ago that we finally we got our first few beehives. Um, we've been working with Territory Bees to learn how to manage them. And, that, and so they come out on a regular basis and help to teach, teach us and the students. So they're teaching me. It's been a, been a um, 
wonderful learning journey that we've all been on, me and the students, and we're looking to expand slowly, possibly, and we're, we're looking to harvest our first lot of honey early next year. What are the boys learning uh, when they're handling these, these hives exactly? Um, we check the health of the hive, so we learn to uh, look for the queen, to uh, make sure the queen's laying, um, which is a sign that the hives are, are healthy. Um, we look for all the different, so that we would be looking for larvae. Lar the students learn how to look for larvae, um, eggs, distinguish the queen from the other bees, distinguish the drone drones from the worker bees. Also, things like um, when we uh, when we went we went to Catherine for a uh, work experience trip recently, where we were helping the territory bees check all their hives. So when we were there, we were checking for. Um, pathogens and um, topping them up with a pollen supplement, which helps them keep, helps keep the bees strong, so they can collect more nectar, so we can make more honey. And so we'll, we'll be now doing that with our beehives. Um, we set a pretty set the bar pretty high on this on this work experience camp, and and really to to get our students out of bed at five thirty in the morning and to be on site working um, by seven in, in that sort of heat. So. Um, I didn't know what to expect because I've never really been in that situation with them before, and and they they just blew me away how they really took to to the work. They found it interesting. They yeah, it was, it was really so. From what what I what we saw on this camp was the first time we've done it. I see see that it's pretty important to try and keep that going. Um, we got great feedback from Territory Bees as well. They're keen to keep it keep it going. Uh, so it's a bit. It's also it's a bit of an experiment out here. We to our knowledge, there's never been uh, European honeybees out here before, so we don't know how they're going to go. Um, so this is in a in pretty short space of time. We've, we've, our bees are filling up the boxes really quickly, and so much so that they're getting too big for the boxes. And so we, we've, we've got we had five, and now we have six because the colony split. And we managed to get them into a box, into a new hive. Why is it important for uh, those boys to learn about uh, beekeeping? Well, it's a it's a fantastic way of learning. Uh, it's all sorts of um, subjects are integrated into it. There's there's English, maths, science, all all those things integrate perfectly into it. But it also has the potential to lead into employment. So, one of our older students was talking about uh, working casually for Territory Bees next year. Uh, also, also there's potential for industry out here so if, if it works as well as we're hoping to over time we'll be able to grow our bees and we'll, we hope to be producing honey and selling honey produced at our school early, fairly early next year um, but it's also something that can be expanded to the homelands out around Bodea so people could um, potentially start their own businesses and produce sort of like micro industries and produce honey on their homelands. Uh, because it seems in the short time that we've been out here that the the flora out here is, seems to be particularly good at producing quality and quantity of honey. That is Tom Ray from the Our Lady of the Sacred Heart Thumra School in Wadair speaking there to Jan Kahoot. Can't wait for the country hour to make a trip out to Wadair and uh, see and taste that honey for ourselves. Across the Territory, you are tuned into the Country Hour, broadcasting during the lunch break of the cricket. We will be speaking to the Weather Bureau 
in a moment. And as mentioned, if you have a question for the Bureau, send it through on that text line 0487991057. We are heading to far north Queensland next where the banana industry is a little nervous. Ready to hit the road less travel? Back Roads is back out adventuring. From Tassie's Tasman Peninsula to East Arnhem Land in the Territory and everywhere in between. Join me, Heather Hewitt, and my guest explorers now on Tuesday nights at 8, visiting the small towns and communities that make Australia so special. All new Backroads returns Tuesday, January 9 on ABC TV and streaming on ABC iView. It's been a tough month for Australia's banana industry, the main production area around the Tully Valley in far north Queensland. It did cop a bit of wind from Cyclone Jasper, but it's been the flooding afterwards that has caused a lot of damage. And it's also got farmers concerned about a fungal disease that might have been washed downstream, as Lucy Cooper reports. The effects from the cyclone wasn't too bad, but then the, the follow-on effects from the rain was actually devastating for two of our farms, yeah. That's Gavin Islers, the North Queensland manager for Tropicana, a banana farming company based across the far north. He estimated the yield loss of bananas to be about 35% across two farms. Yeah, we're, we're looking above 25% on one farm and probably 10% on the other. But on both farms, the biggest damage is done on the structural headlands and stuff like that, drains, headlands, irrigation. That's where our biggest loss is money-wise. The financial impact will be significant. Well, I'm just fixing one hole and it's going to cost over $10,000 to fix one hole. It's going to be, it'll be in the millions, Mark. Between coming to terms with the crop loss, the financial impact and rebuilding the farm to begin operations again, Gavin Eilers has plenty on his plate. But now a new threat looms. For eight years, Panama Disease Tropical Race 4 has been present on eight banana farms in the far north. It's a devastating fungal disease. It's a huge concern um, because you can't eradicate it. That's that's the biggest problem. Um, and once it gets in the soil... Uh, it's there for essentially forever. So you can't grow susceptible cultivars in that in that soil anymore. Professor James Dale runs the Banana Biotechnology and Research Program at the Queensland University of Technology. He said there is fresh concern for Panama TR4 because of the way the fungal disease spreads. The fungus is spread by, uh, it's spread in water and that can mean irrigation water and flood water. I think the, the really important thing is in, in North Queensland, the distribution of TR4 is very limited. It's only in one relatively small area. So outside, and, and the floodwaters most likely would flow into the local river. Um, so there would be added concern around that local area that there's no reason to believe that, say, for instance, up in Innisfail, uh, that the, the fungus will be spread up there by floodwater. Um, because of this relatively uh, isolated area where TR4 is currently present. So good news is that the experts think this disease, if it were to spread, would be limited to the Tully Valley, where it currently has been detected on eight farms. But the disease, which, if detected, sees entire farms shut down, is always on growers like Leon Collins' mind. Panama Tropical Race 4 can be spread very easily through water, soil and water movement, 
we've had a huge deluge in the river. Um, how much that dilutes the spores, you know, the amount of spores that are actually in the area, that's anyone's guess. But yes, you're definitely right. Spores now that were mainly up, we've only had up infected properties up the top of the river. Now, of course, it has the potential to be throughout the whole river system. But it mightn't show up on new spots till, you know, it could take two years' time. But um, it's something we've got to live with and we've got to prepare for. And uh, we can live with it. And um, through quarantine and um, our biosecurity obligations that we do, and we run all on farm, but um, isolation, there's some things you just can't help and you can't take, um, it's not going to help you no matter what. But other, other ways, we do all our good protocols, keep everything in place, we'll keep this thing slowed down to a minimum, just to a walk. Mr Collins has a banana farm in Tully and is the chair of the Australian Banana Growers Council. He said farmers have adapted rapidly to the disease, changing the way they operate overnight to keep it contained. Times have changed now, we've got to learn to live with it. And... Um, you know, if we can contain it in the Tully Valley, that would be absolutely fantastic. But um, if it gets spread on other river systems in, in the North Queensland, well, um, yeah, that, that's going to be a big take and a whole new ball game. But the far North Queensland floods are a wake-up call for growers and researchers alike, renewing calls for new varieties to be grown. The, 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 the best lesson is from the Philippines and uh, oh, I, I don't can't remember exactly how many years ago. It's probably a decade or more ago when when there was massive flooding um, from one of their typhoons uh, or hurricanes down in um, in Mindanao, and it, it flooded huge areas of the banana plantations. And, you know, they're, they're a huge grower uh, of export Cavendish. Um, and after that, two to three years later, there was a huge um, uh, blow up. Of, of TR4 and lots and lots and lots of plantations infected and that really was the start of the, the real downfall for the um, Philippine industry due to TR4. Um, we're not we're not going to see that in Australia because at the moment we, we're starting with just one small focal area um, but that area could be significantly affected but as you say it's a good wake-up call. This is how it can get around very quickly Okay, we've got to we've got to work towards those those uh, resistant cultivars. That is Professor James Dale speaking to Lucy Cooper about the banana industry in far north Queensland and some pretty serious concerns there about Panama disease, tropical race four. Hello, my name's Al from Humpty Dew Sunflowers, and you're listening to the Country Hour. Matt Brown with you today, broadcasting during the lunch break of the cricket. And if you're not up to scratch with what's happening there at the MCG, all of a sudden it's game on. Australia are two for six in their second inning, so a lead of just 60. And all of a sudden, Pakistan looking the goods there at the G. I'll be taking you back to ABC Sports coverage of that test very, very soon. But before that, let's go to the Weather Bureau. Sally Cutter is there today. How are you, Sally? Oh, not too bad, thanks. Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it's fairly quiet. I'll end up working Christmas Day, so couldn't do too much. Uh, someone's, and thankfully, weather-wise, it was a fairly fairly quiet one for the Territory. Yes, it was. So we, we were lucky in that respect. We'd had a bit, bit 
activity the week before, so yeah, it did calm down in time. I've got a text here from Sprinkles who says, "Hey, weather mob, will you please pay the water bill so you can get the wet season back on?" All the best from Sprinkles, whose lawn's obviously looking a bit dry. Oh uh, yeah, we. The problem is the the humidity, the moisture's end up in the wrong spot. It's it's really really humid over, particularly around the western top end. So it's there, but it's just not condensing into clouds to fall, to then fall as rain. So yeah, it. It's pretty. If anybody's thinking it's really humid, it is. We've had sort of those dew points, twenty six, twenty seven. So it's it has been a pretty humid period out there. And you're not imagining that it, that it is worse than usual. And just looking at the radar, the top end radar. Well, I can't see anything. It's just no cloud, blue skies. Yeah, it's that's the problem. It's <laughs> there's nothing on the radar. The, there's a little bit of clouds are popping up now. There's down there's early storms down to the Leicester district, but yeah, there's just generally that fair weather cumulus. The the dew points have dropped a little bit. Currently, they're only sitting on 25, 26. So out at Pill and Gympie is 27.7 is the dew point, and what is 26.9. So yeah, there's some pretty horrendous dew points out there on the west coast. The, if so, it's just it's just humid. Down yep. south, it's not quite so humid, but we are, it's just enough that we could see those isolated storms down the western border. I'm just looking at some of the rainfall figures up to 9 o'clock this morning. Fort Hill Wharf, 28 millimetres in the gauge. Pearl and Gympie Airports had 16. Adelaide River, Dirty Lagoon, 9. Bullman's had 6. Delamere Range, 6. So not too much to talk about there. Fairly blue skies today. Uh, do you have any good good news on the horizon when it comes to rainfall? Uh, no, well, not, not, not for a few days. Yep. Yeah, we get, we get, we've got some drier air aloft. Unfortunately, not where we are. There's a lot of moisture in between us and the ground, and the dry air. So between the ground and the dry air, but it's not enough. But that's not deep enough to really get the storms going. So they're going to be few and far between. The dry air also means that if we do get some, they could be quite gusty. The, and then there's, the winds are easing off the westies, which is so uh, for those in the, sort of the Darwin rural areas through the western top end, hopefully those minimums will drop down a little bit, but the, they're not going to drop too far at the moment. We need to get some good storms through to to cool it down and then with the winds easing off it's not going to warm up quite as much overnight as it was. But once you get f- a bit further inland uh, down through the Barclay the, and Simpson, it's going to be pretty quiet for a couple of days but very hot. So very hot conditions right through the, the basically south of the top end, right through that, that cattle country. Yeah, and there is a severe heatwave warning in place for Daly, Tiwi, Arnhem, Carpentaria, Gregory, Barclay, Lassiter and the Tenamai districts. It's yeah, if, if anybody's won, look, miss, lost track, it's everywhere but the Simpson district. <laughs> That's a better way of putting it, isn't it? Yeah. A much better way. Uh, anything we need to be aware of before we go back to the cricket? No, just keep an ear out for if we do put out severe thunderstorm warnings, if we do see one that looks like it could produce those damaging wind gusts, and just be aware that it, it is very hot and this heat wave been going for a while. And just I, I know it's getting to the stage where so you need to do things, but mm. just take care because you because it's not cooling down at night, your body's not recovering. Thanks so much for your time this afternoon, Sally. Appreciate it. 
That's okay. That is Sally Cutter there at the Weather Bureau. I'll be back on your radio tomorrow, again during the lunch break of the cricket. But it's now time to head back to the MCG and ABC Sports coverage of the second test, Australia and Pakistan. Keep it rural.